Welcome to The Story Tinker, a place for in-depth analysis of stories, including Midnight Poppyland, Purple Hyacinth, and more. Co-hosted by sharp, witty, and dare I say, thirsty fans, we dive deep into every episode, analyzing character, relationship development, and plot theories. You can follow The Story Tinker on all podcast platforms and videos of most episodes on YouTube. You can also follow The Story Tinker on Instagram and Facebook. If you'd like weekly bonus content, sneak peeks, and more, you can support The Story Tinker on Patreon. Thanks for listening to The Story Tinker, and let's get started. Okay. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode three of the Purple Hyacinth podcast, Elusive Encounters. And we're here with Funden and Floop. Hello. Hello. Okay, and we open with a very striking picture where Kieran has his sword literally at Lauren's neck. He's even sliced it open, but he doesn't do, go any further. And his eyes are wide open. There's the lighting in this opening shot is just fantastic. He has this completely stunned look on his face. And again, it looks like time is frozen. And we don't know why, right? We don't know why he hesitates. And we talked about that a little bit last chapter and how we still don't know why. And we get a close-up of both of their eyes. And Lauren's also wondering, she's like, why isn't he moving? I was totally open. And she decides, you know, she is, she doesn't stay frozen there forever because she goes and kicks him in the face. <laughs> Payback for what he did last chapter. So Yeet. parallelism once again. And I feel like at this point, he, this is what my read, because I feel like at this point, he stops resisting kind of. She kicks him in the face, he falls to the ground, and she um, steps on him and cuffs him. And I feel like, to me, it looks as though he's just stopped resisting at this point. Does, do you, did you get that impression? Yeah, no, I feel that. Um, he, well, he did just get kicked in the head, so he might be a bit dazed. But, you know, we never know with him, you know, he could be... Who knows? He, he's very skilled. So who's to say that he's not just doing it for her benefit? I don't know. But yeah, he's an enigma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely in a state of shock a bit, like, because like, you know, why did he hesitate? That's probably catching him off by surprise. And he's so close to killing her and yet he's not. And then she just it's just silence as they're both like in shock and then she takes the moment to kick him so yeah I feel like whatever it was that caused him to look in her eye to look in her eyes and pause and even if he doesn't know what it is I think he wants to explore that further and he knows he can get out later like I don't think he's worried about you know actually being arrested so I think he figures okay let me take a breather and find out what's happening here and learn more about her yeah, that's definitely a possibility, I think. Yeah, <laughs> he seems to have this very serene look on his face as she's, you know, her knees on his back and she's cuffing him. It's very elegant. I have to say, like, their, their draw, line drawings are so elegant, no matter <laughs> what they're doing. All beautiful characters. I don't think Sophie's ever drawn an ugly character. <laughs> she says butler, she I does, guess. but <laughs> I don't see it. I think there's just the one butler. character. What? The butler's the most handsome character there. Um, sure. Yeah. One character that I detest. <laughs> I think Bundy knows. I know. Hmm. 
we, we will save that for another day. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. So Lauren retrieves her gun at this point and starts to give him the police spiel. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in the court of law. And Kieran has this really cute expression on his face where he's like this, you know, his chin is on the ground, one eye is open, one eye is closed. And his cocky confidence is displayed once again. He says, don't even bother. I'll be gone before you finish reading me my rights. <laughs> and Lauren, you know, Lauren doesn't respond well to that. She says, you just committed murder, you filthy scumbag. You're not getting off the hook anytime soon. You can be sure of that. And again, her, her orientation is very justice oriented. She is disgusted with him because he's a murderer and this is her job. And this is a personal, you know, she is morally disgusted by people who murder people. As you should be. Mm-hmm. Take a shot every time Karen's referred to as a scumbag in the first 10 episodes. You'll be smashed by the end of it. <laughs> he says, oh yeah, what do you plan to do with a filthy scumbag like me? Which is something that I feel... You know, we get, when we get to know Kieran a little more later and we think about his view of himself, I feel like in the beginning, you know, he understands what everyone thinks of him. Everyone thinks I'm a murderer, I'm a filthy scumbag, and he doesn't have um, any emotional reaction to that because that's what he knows everyone sees him as. So it's interesting to note that here. And it's obviously sad that he thinks of himself that way obviously at this point in the in the cartoon we don't necessarily care if Kieran is sad or not or we don't do it in a sad light but um if you've fallen in love with Kieran which at some point you will hopefully you feel bad that that's what he thinks of himself mm-hmm. <laughs> seeing him in praying is delightful <laughs> uh yep as I've said I have always been attracted to men in pain men with wounded hearts for better or for worse <laughs> it's, it's the cockiness that's hiding the trauma for me man like you just know you just know behind that jackass expression and him being all cocky and teasing her there's pain and i love i just love him he's my favorite <laughs> yeah and she is um again every they kind of have like a equal and opposite reaction or they escalate in her anger because when I, every time he responds, she just gets more angry at him and more aggressive because she pushes the pistol into his head and says, whatever's needed to deliver you into the arms of justice. And Kieran says something I think that is 100% true. He says, darling, we both know you're not going to shoot me. And let's just say he called her darling right away, which I want y'all to notice. <laughs> I noticed. <laughs> yep. Oh, we gotta love gotta love him just like flirting even though he's got a literal gun to his head Mm -hmm. fearless Mm -hmm. and lauren's like i'm a police officer i've been trained to shoot when necessary don't move and she starts to reach for her radio and he says well officer i am an assassin and i know how to recognize murderous intentions when i see them you dearie clearly won't be able to pull that trigger and i it's i find it impressive that he is so psychologically astute right away without even knowing her. Yeah, no, like he's clearly very perceptive about a lot of things. And like, I feel like, again, this is one of those things also where it's like, the more we learn about him and what his motives are, the more we'll understand where he's coming from in these early scenes. Cause it's just like, this guy seems to be 
uh, an amazing fighter, killer, he can do parkour, he can use his sword, he can an- analyze people, he can do all these things. And it's just like, where does he get all that from? Why is he like this? <laughs> what what's what's ticking in his head that gets him to be why are you like this? I don't know. I, I'm just really interested in seeing his characterization going forward, especially from scenes like this. Lauren hears that he's an assassin, she has this shocked look on his, her face and she immediately jumps, which is again, Lauren, Lauren jumps to conclusion. Sometimes she's correct and sometimes she's wrong. In this case, she is correct. And she says, so you're with the Phantom Scythe? And she gets extremely angry. And he says, no, of course not, in red. <laughs> you liar. Yeah, and she says, I see. Then you're right about one thing. I don't intend to kill you tonight. I need you alive so I can force everything you know about the Phantom Scythe out of you before you rot in jail where you belong. And then she immediately starts questioning him. So where's your leader? And, you know, he responds again with more lies. I have no idea what you're talking about. I answer only to myself, which I'm going to, I'm going to talk about this in a little bit because I, this whole episode makes me curious about like, when did he shift from, to make a decision? But I find it interesting to hear he starts out with lying to her and trying to kind of treat her like he would any person who would catch him. And she says, cut the crap. I know exactly what you are. And he laughs, haha, that's quite presumptuous of you, but I like your optimism. And to me, that's something that has like a double meaning. She doesn't know who he is in terms of, she doesn't know he's the purple hyacinth, she doesn't know it. But I think it also could refer to the fact that nobody really knows his insides. You know, on the outside, he is an assassin and everyone thinks he's a heartless monster. But on the inside, there still is a human there who was an abused little boy who cared for people who has a sensitive side and um, that nobody really can see. And that even, you know, that Lauren here is making assumptions about him, but she doesn't really know who he is. You know, I think that comes a lot from, again, what I was saying before, his character, like what, like what you said, what's going on in his head, his experiences. But I also think it's really funny how he's making fun of her for jumping to conclusions about things where, as we read in this episode, he's gonna be like jumping on stuff as well that he only just learned. So it's really funny. Again, I like how they parallel each other in a lot of ways. And I think it makes for a good dynamic between the two of them. Mm. Yep. And here he lies again and he says, don't worry, I'm not part of the Phantom Scythe. And, but if I was, shouldn't you be fleeing? And then she, you know, Lauren can rejoin and banter and sling insults with the best of them. And she says, I think you're the presumptuous one. Two murders in one night right across the street from each other and you're leaving witnesses behind. The city has seen worse criminals than amateurs like you. Which is hilarious because he's actually not at all an amateur. Yeah. It's just like, she's just like roasting him while she's at it. Like kicking him while he's down. Just, yeah. I love the banter so much. Mm-hmm. And he says, oh, it was that bad? Damn, I really thought I had a good run going there. And that was a lie. Two for two, it seemed efficient. Also a lie. And I think that, you know, this is typical. Kieran does this a lot. Sorry, Assassin does this a lot where he has this completely flippant attitude to the things that he's done. And I think, you know, I think it's safe to say even without knowing the rest of the story that it's a front and it's something that you do to protect your emotions when you don't want to think about how serious something is and how devastating it is. You just make light of it. And that's exactly what he's doing. 
Yeah, no, he, like, again, it's the deflecting with cockiness and jokes to hide things. Not one of my favorite characterizations, so. By the time I'm, like, four, four episodes in, I'm like, ooh, he's become my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's set up to be, you know, mm-hmm. that way. And Lauren, who has this, you know, vein in her, in her forehead, and she's like, just facing justice might be the first good idea you've ever had. He's like, mm, never crossed my mind, actually. Just true. So I guess he never thought about facing justice. And he says, no one's been ever been able to catch me before, which is true, much less defeat me. That was false. And Lauren picks up on that. And she says, lying again. Give it up, scum. You've been bested before and you were again tonight. But don't worry. After you're behind bars, you'll have all the time in the world to try to convince people you're invincible. <laughs> and I love he looks at Hannah. But, I love his face. He's just like, mm, like, just the cheekiness of it. Yeah. God, he's such an asshole in this, but in the best way. <laughs> yep. And he tells her, you've got a ready tongue officer. I like that. And he says the truth. He does like that. I love it. And I, something, this is something that like, we'll see throughout the whole cartoon with Lauren and him is that they are really evenly matched in many, many ways. And, you know, a lot of times people who have very strong personalities um, don't find a lot in common with people who don't have such strong personalities. They find them boring. They find them uninteresting. They find them not on their level. But Kieran and Lauren do have that same, they're very well matched in many, many ways. So he can kind of respect her. Yeah, it's pretty even match in terms of... um skill and wit and all of that which again we love yeah and I think inner will and strength and determination mm-hmm. which is something that I think is really crucial to both of them definitely so it is a bit odd because they are they are um kind of evenly matched when they do fight which I personally find to be a bit like surprising because one of them Although, like, yeah, Lauren is a police officer, she doesn't, I wouldn't guess that she would need, like, the same, I don't know, physical skills, yeah, or build, yeah, as the assassin. Because, I mean, she's not always running across rooftops. He is, it seems like. But for her, it's mainly just running across the streets, so... It does feel a bit odd when she is able to beat him in hand-to-hand combat because it just feels like it should be something that he's more like better for. prepared for. I think yeah. part of it could be chalked up to the fact that she's a bit of an overachiever when it comes to her work because uh, she's just really determined to like take these people down. So she could have just put in, you know, more because we see with her she can be really like we said hot-headed and determined so I feel like that could go into a lot into her training I guess and then also the fact that that her beating her him now is again he got kicked in the head so he's he was probably a bit dazed so there's that yeah that's true she just put in a ton of extra hours with her her own personal vendetta So she tells him, look, I don't know who you think you are, but I made a promise to find your leader and make sure he faces justice. 
And at this, you can tell that Kieran's really looking into her eyes. And I think he picks up on the determination in her voice and that this is something out of the ordinary. You can see just from his expression. And Lauren says, whoever you think I am, you clearly have no idea what I'm capable of and how far I'm willing to go. So she tells him, by the way, like she doesn't even wait for him to pick it up from her, her tone of voice. She just directly states her intentions. And, you know, he does this little smirk again. He's like, oh, what's that? You're not doing this because of your occupational responsibility, huh? And um, I mean, you know, he says, I'm sure all your fellow police officers despise the leader, which is a lie. And that gets Lauren's radar up because she realizes, oh no, like not all the police officers are actually on our side. And Kieran says, but not nearly as much as you do. Your hatred, it's personal. Revenge quest, right? So again, Mr. Perceptive. I mean, she, you know, she said it herself, but he realizes he's quite perceptive. Yeah, he put it into words exactly like what she's been feeling. And he only got that from that little bit of conversation that they had. So it's really like, I think she's shocked at how much he was able to pick up on that after just a couple exchanges, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, I know um, there's these jokes going around where, you know, how in like movies, whenever the, the bad guy will like tell you his plan, he'd be like, I am now going to, he's like, ha ha, I've caught you and I will now, you know, and he just tells you exactly what he's going to do. And then the characters manage to escape and foil the plans because he told them. So mm-hmm. I find that, and I, I always feel like um, when you try to get, if you're trying to get information out of people, the best thing you can do is just be quiet and listen because people will just tell you because yeah. they just can't keep their mouth shut. And <laughs> Lauren, <laughs> I, I feel is doing the same thing. Because when something is weighing on you and your mind and your heart, like it's going to come out. And so, you know, Kieran pushes her. He doesn't just ask her. He, he's smart enough to know what to say to get the information out of her. He says, so tell me who died, someone in your family, someone you loved. And her expression just gets angrier and angrier. And then he says a close friend, perhaps. And at that, you know, her, her expression is just completely venomous. And then he says, jackpot. Uh, I mean he's just pushing her buttons to get her agitated at this point you know I think honestly I think this is him testing the waters with her because he in this entire time he's been paying attention to her her reactions to things that he's saying so I think he's just one he's just trying to push her buttons but he's also trying to get a feel for her and her personality which we'll see why later on obviously but yeah, just find it's really interesting how he's, even though he's the one on the floor with handcuffs, with a gun to his head, he's the one controlling the conversation. Yeah. I mean, there's, this man has a lot of internal strength, that's for sure, and self-confidence. Lauren is easily manipulated. <laughs> like, once, once you can get her mad, once you can get her, like, confused and get the adrenaline running um she's very easy to control and um puppet around true Mm -hmm. and he asks her is that why you became a police officer (laughs) she thinks to herself like shit was i that careless and her hand her gun pistol holding hand is shaking but then she stops to stop shaking the next panel she said i won't let that happen again and then she starts calling on the radio he says you shouldn't do that and she says, why not? And this is the crucial moment. I think here he made a decision. 
He says, because you and I share the same goal to find their leader and destroy him, the leader and destroy him. And he's not lying over here. And she pauses. She doesn't continue with the radio. And she says, what? And he says, face it, you policemen will never catch him. Even the assassins don't know where he is or who he is. I'm no exception. But if you really want to keep your promise, I would be your best asset. And it's interesting. He, I don't think she mentioned a promise, but he already is phrasing it in terms of a promise that she made. Um, oh, she did, she did say earlier. Yeah, she did say it yeah. was a promise. I was about to say, she was like, look, okay. I made a promise that I would track your leader down. Yeah, sorry. You're good. <laughs> well, he has a better memory than me, clearly. So, <laughs> And, you know, she's thinking, you really think I would associate with a bastard like you? You're daydreaming. But she thinks to herself, I can see he's not lying. So even the assassins don't know who their leader is. And then he looks up at her with a pretty open, honest expression. It's not smirking. He's not being, you know, snarky. And he says, as much as I trust my own abilities, I know I won't be able to find him alone. I need an assistant who is able to feed me information and alibi. But then he goes back to being snarky. And he's like, you know, a little pet. <laughs> uh, even when he's trying to like get her on her, his side, he's still just poking all those little buttons and just annoying her, which we, we know is going to be a trend, but lovely to see now. Yeah, apparently um, my husband always says this phrase in Dutch where basically like when boys tease girls, it means they like them. So this is like teasing slash flirting already, maybe. <laughs> I mean, got me hooked. So that's yeah. just, but yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's nice. You got the tease one. I got, if a boy bullies you, he probably likes you. And that's not healthy. No. I think there's a big difference between bullying and teasing. I don't think it's the same thing. No, definitely. But uh, he's just being himself right now. Like, even when he's trying to get her on his side, he's still like, little thing, little thing. (laughs) I think it's just, again, he needs to have that persona in order to do anything like this, you know? He has yeah. to keep up the facade. Mm-hmm. Agree, yeah. And, you know, she gets extremely angry and she's like, what? You're a police officer? Uh, and he says, you're a police officer and I'm an assassin. If we pull our resources, we might actually have a shot at finding a leader. We can work him from both sides of the law. What do you think, officer? And there's his smirk again. And she says, there's no way I would associate with you. She slams his head down on the concrete with the pistol ouch it's a mood though i mean how many of us have like much as i love him amount of times i've wanted to do that to him like just being like shut up <laughs> like and i know plenty of people in the fandom agree with me we all love him but he deserves a beating occasionally yeah but yeah. i want to preserve his beautiful face so <laughs> he could do without it sometimes <laughs> <laughs> bring his ego down a little bit yeah knock it down a few notches <laughs> maybe and lauren has this disgusted look on her face and she says i've seen your kind kill women elders and children with no remorse you're the worst dregs of humanity actually you aren't even human you're monsters this face oh i know no well, because that's... obviously we've we've read more so it's like even now like rereading these things when you see these things like that and it's just like oh the connection the but also his face is just really somber in this moment too like hearing her just 
call him inhuman, call him a monster. Like he just looks so tired and resigned to it. <laughs> and it's just so sad. Like, and even if you don't know anything, just reading this from like if you've now started and you don't know anything reading this, you get the sense that it's something that's eating at him. Yeah, exactly. You know, he can't see his face now, so that's why he's allowing himself to have that serious face. But when he interacts with other people, he puts on that blase facade. But here he's allowing himself to be, be honest with himself for a little bit, for a moment. And he's, she says, so you're wasting your words, assassin. Save them for the judge. And then he starts having a little smile on his face. And then he, you know, goes back to full smirk and he says, you know, it's funny how things work out. I saw your little demonstration in the cafe earlier this morning. I must have, you've got quite a strong grip, I admit. I also noticed that you're a tiny little human lie detector, not that you do much to hide it, which by the way, I like, because first of all, he calls her tiny. So again, he's trying to diminish, diminish her and be like cutesy. And also um, he correctly pointed out, she doesn't do much to hide it. In, in many ways, Lauren is not very subtle. She doesn't really know how to um, finesse and like keep her behavior not suspicious. <laughs> So he also, he noticed that as well. And he says, I'm pretty sure you know very well that I'm not lying right now. Here's the deal. Since we both want the same thing, we'd obviously be better off combining our forces. I can provide you with information on the Phantom Sites operations that no police officer could ever get their hands on. You can give me that same information on the police department or in the unlikely event your peers find anything. There he goes insulting them. <laughs> And if anything goes wrong, you can provide me with a perfect alibi. <sighs> so, and Lauren's like, what kind of idiot did you take me for? No one ever actually. And then he says, plus I'm sure that your intuition or whatever it is would really come in handy. So it's interesting that, you know, he's picked up on this skill of hers where it seems like a lot of other people in her world haven't really. So again, you know, I think you're yeah. just a very observant. Yeah, also, sorry if you guys are hearing shouting outside. But um, yeah, no, I just find it's really like he's just come up with this whole thing. And I do like the fact that it shows showed him seeing her earlier because he would have seen her again catching that guy's live the cafe earlier. So him picking up on this is not unprecedented. It probably interested him seeing that earlier, being like, how did she know that he had a wife? How did he know? How did she know all of this stuff? How did he know this guy was... How did she know that guy was lying? So seeing like him doing all that stuff for me, anyways, I feel like he's testing her lie detecting to see is this really a thing, and then going forward with it. So yeah, I personally just really enjoy how quickly he was able to put this all together. It does make me a little suspicious though. Like he was very quick to believe in her ability. And it doesn't always seem like other people believe in it. So um, right now it seems to be like him and Kim. So it's just a little bit surprising that he was so fast to, um, you know, believe in it. One thing I think I just kind of realized, because I've been thinking, I just began to think about this is what if, he was doing all that stuff pushing her buttons to get her more pissed off to make her get angrier to get her to reveal parts of herself more easily to him you know so that you know in order to really get a proper reaction out of her because I feel like that would be really smart on his part to kind of kind of try to fix 
to all the all the poking and prodding and teasing was just to get her get like a real reaction out of her before making this whole proposal that could be interesting so I do want to I want to talk about um at the end of the episode to talk about like why what we think happened in terms of like Kieran's decision making and when did he decide to put this proposal towards her and why but I want to first go through the whole episode because um and then discuss that so I think I definitely have questions there all right and then he says even if it doesn't always give you the right answers at least we can cross off the wrong ones which is nice and and Lauren asked the same as that question you asked she asked what how did he figure out so easily and he genuinely believes it what's wrong with this guy so she also is perplexed by that and he says, I'm going to help you find the leader. And in exchange, you're going to drop that gun and let me walk free, which is, again, a very typical cocky thing. It's not like, please not walk free. It's you're going to let me walk free. This guy, we love a confident guy. Even when he's on the ground, handcuffed with a gun to his head. And he says, if you're fool enough to try to throw to me in jail, you won't get anything out of me, which is, you know, this is he's appealing to her. To her desire to get information and he said besides either way i'm going to escape and lauren is incredulous she says you're cuffed with a gun pointed at your head and he's like oh please that's insulting i'm an assassin darling you really think handcuffs or some bars could stop me and again again with calling her darling you know it's this super insulting phrase to call someone who you know clearly hates your guts at this point <laughs> call her darling and somehow in the next panel, Kieran has miraculously broken free of the handcuffs. I like to think he's got like in his gloves, he has the lock picks that he could just slip out and was just doing that or just magic, one or the other. <laughs> Kieran's a wizard. <laughs> You're a wizard, wizard Kieran. Kieran. <laughs> <laughs> we just, but yeah, no, um, that, that phrase is really funny actually thinking about it because there's something that pops up yeah. later on. <laughs> Oh, really? uh, yeah no well nothing it's it's uh, i'll tell you about it after because it's a spoiler but yeah it's just <laughs> the people who connect the dots now you guys know what we're talking yeah. about <laughs> <laughs> so lauren is um shocked at this horrified she's like shit and she's like how did you and at this point you know kieran does his ninja moves he grabs her arm throws the pistol away reaches for the sword and in a second he's got her on her back and he's over her with a sword to her face so the tables are turned how many how many fangirls want to be in her position right now (laughs) i was gonna say this could be a very attractive position to be in yes i concur (laughs) i was just judging us (laughs) if i was in lauren's position i would literally like bring my knee up to like sort of like knee in his crotch (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's what he deserves <laughs> yeah yeah i'd probably be a bit terrified um because of that sword and its proximity to my face but yes <laughs> i mean he's holding down her right arm but her left arm is free if like i would punch him with my left arm <laughs> yeah you could knee him and then knock the sword aside at the same time maybe <laughs> for safety but yeah that's quite the panel um <laughs> And he says, you were right about one thing, though, officer. We And now you have a close-up of his face. And he says, we are monsters. I kill without hesitation, and I have no regrets. And he says, the monster part is true. The kill without hesitation part is true. But the I have no regrets is not true. 
And this was totally unnecessary. He didn't have to address that. He didn't have to talk about what she said to him. He could have just said, you know, been practical and talked about their proposal, but you could tell it affected him and he wanted to address that. And, you know, it's kind of like, you don't want to have high expectations. Oh my gosh, one second. Anywho, my children do not seem to know the meaning of stay away, but anyway. So, you know, he, I, it's kind of like, I feel he doesn't, um, if somebody perceives you in a bad way, you want to prove them right. You know, you don't want them to, it clearly hurt him to some extent. And he just wants her to not have any expectations of him, I think. I don't know. It's like a twisted way of making yourself feel better. Like you think I'm bad. Yeah, I am bad. I'm even worse than you think I am. You know, one thing I think is interesting as well, that he knows that she can hear lies. So I don't know whether or not it just slipped his mind or he got caught up in the moment or he fully knows what he's doing. But him saying, I'm monster, I killed that hesitation and I have no regrets. I'm just like, I wonder if it was intentional or not, because I'm still not sure reading it now if he meant for her to pick up on that or not. Yeah, that's a really good question. I always assumed that it was just came out of him in a moment of emotional grief where he just couldn't stop himself. But for all we know, it could be intentional and he could, I don't know. I don't, I don't think he necessarily wants to communicate to her, you know, that I'm a good person. Like there's a kind of a weird way of saying that. Yeah. But it definitely, to me, I view it as more like he just couldn't stop himself. No, I, I feel mean, that. That's what I lean to. But it is, I would say, a very good tactic to get her to trust him, because, like, you know, just us seeing it, we become a little more sympathetic to him, and so maybe he thinks that, like, even she does. And then, like, showing that, like, he does actually care is a way to get her to trust him, and it, it, he's gonna want her to trust him regarding their new um regarding what he's about to propose to her <laughs> so yeah. completely and then he tells her rest assured that i wouldn't hesitate to slit your pretty little throat if you've ever become a nuisance and that's all true and um also he called her throat pretty <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i mean he's not blind she's very pretty woman. Yeah, it's um, like a compliment hidden in this uh, death threat. <laughs> Very interesting. In but, but it is true. You know, he has become a ruthless person. The fact that he says, I kill with no hesitation, he has trained himself to become an, an automatic killer. So, and also it's, um, I think, you know, well, we'll discuss it a little bit more later, but he's accepted who he is and what he has to do to the point where he does things without hesitation. He knows like there's no point in, in hesitating and trying to stop. And he tells her it's up to you. And he, you know, he goes away, um, stands up, sheaths his sword, says, 
I'm off. I'll give you 24 hours to mull it over. If you're interested, meet me at the bridge at midnight tomorrow. Which I'm, always, I'm wondering, like, is there only one bridge? Yeah, no, because <laughs> we got a map in between seasons one and seasons two. And there's multiple bridges, but maybe it's like the mid, the bridge of that district. So that's that's how I think of it. Because I'm like, okay, the bridge, it's like the, the bridge that we use the most, I guess. I don't know. It might also be it seems like they're nearby a bridge as well because i would assume that they were moving southward be um so lauren kim and will they live i think in like you know the northern top half of the 11th precinct and so and karen lives in like or i don't know should i be saying this i Uh, am yeah okay well the PS related stuff is all like down south. So, south of the river, yeah. It makes sense that he would be fleeing down that direction. And then, if he was going down to the south, then he would have passed the bridge. So, they're likely, and Lauren's following him. So, it's likely that they're nearby one. Okay, I've pulled up the map. There's two bridges in the 11th district. So, Maybe it's the one they're closest to. Maybe it's like a bigger bridge. Maybe there's a bridge that they just call the bridge and then all the other bridges have names. Who's to say? Maybe they're telekinetic and he knows that already. <laughs> mm, just some brainwave. Maybe they didn't Sorry, have the map ready yet. So they didn't have a map ready yet. So that's why. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I thought it was just, you know, a slip that fell. We sometimes it's not important. Just yeah. a story, you know? yeah authors are human too it's not that big a deal really it's, you can look past yeah. it it's not like a story breaking thing by, by any means mm-hmm. so i just want to finish the last couple panels and then get to like the, the questions mm-hmm. and uh lauren you know gets up has this unsettled look on her face um you know looks after him with kind of like anger resentment and then she phone you know dials in she says officer sinclair here I have lost the target. And she thinks, was now, just now, was he? Okay, well, was he what? <laughs> was he lying? Was he telling the truth? What is he planning? Why did he do that? He's an assassin. Why does he want to take down the leader? Was he being genuine with her? Or was it all half-truths? So my, my main question for this episode, and something that I really, I don't have clarity on is, when and why did he decide to ask her this? Like, did he completely not know who she was? And then, you know, she, he looked in her eyes and he was startled for whatever unknown reason. And then as she was talking and he realized she had this vendetta that he then suddenly decided, hmm, you know what? She's a lie detector. Plus she has this vendetta. Let me ask her. Like, was he planning on, was he looking for somebody to ask? Like, was he planning on asking a police officer or did she just fall into his path? And that's why he decided to ask. Like some people, you know, did he make her, you know, did he mess up on purpose and like slow down so she could follow him? Like, was he targeting her to begin with? What do y'all think? I have my theory. (laughs) Yeah, you go ahead, food. But I'm not sure if I can share it here due to it deals with a lot of future episodes and spoilers. Mm. I'm just saying everything seems a little convenient. (laughs) Like everything just became a little too perfect. Everything just came a little bit too perfectly together. So 
I do think that there may be an outside force, a puppet master to all of this. I think that there's definitely something going on, but we just don't know it yet. But also, I do think that having the first episode with the scene with the cafe and him being there, he would have heard her talking about being an officer and he would have heard her again detecting lies like we talked about earlier. So I do think there is something to that interaction or him witnessing that interaction that could have contributed to this whole thing. But again, we don't know yet and we can only theorize and I don't want to spoil anything, obviously, because this is we, we've learned a lot because as of recording this, there are like 80 some odd chapters out. So yeah. you know, we've learned more, but this is definitely something that we don't have all the answers to yet. And I, I do think that there is something else there because for him to just decide that so quickly, either he just really did see how she was and hopped on it or he'd been planning to do it or something else we don't want to spoil anything and yet we've said the assassin's name like 20 times <laughs> it's not that big a spoiler yeah it's true. <laughs> no like when when i was telling my um i made my boyfriend read it and he was like why don't you why did you keep calling him that is like his name like a big spoiler and i was like no not really you just kind of learn his name and then that's it <laughs> so it's not like but I'm like but it's still it's part of the it's part of the whole thing so don't, but yeah um sorry but every time we've had an episode we've said his name and it's okay <laughs> I think the first we don't know his last name they don't know his last name right don't tempt well. me Bundin. <laughs> keep your mouth shut food <laughs> um yeah, I want to see what was there. Um, <laughs> the creator's note was, guys, this right here is how you ask someone on a date. And by the way, the music is called Regrets. And that's very suitable because to me, that's one of the most important things that happens in this episode is that we learn that Kieran regrets what he does, which is, you know, that's the redeeming factor. There's this book called Save the Cat, which is a, a book about screenwriting. And it talks about how whenever you introduce a character to the audience, if you want them to like the character, even if he's a bad character, like a mafia person, you have to do a save the cat moment, which is where the character does something good, does something redeemable or does something likable that will make you like the character. Because if you don't like the character, you're not going to be interested in watching a whole movie about them. So Kieran, you know, he's an assassin. We are inclined not to like him. We know he's vicious, but that moment where he says, you know, where we know that he regrets things, that intrigues us and that makes us feel for him. And that makes us able to tolerate him as a character because we know that there's a human down there somewhere. You know, there's definitely like, because obviously I feel like they knew what they were doing when they designed him because they made him really handsome. But then doing that stuff to make us more inclined to see that he has layers and that he's uh, has a lot of conflict and there's a lot of, about him that we don't know beneath the surface I feel like that really does a lot to make us um indebted to him or at least interested in him and what's going on with him in his in the story yeah completely agree so do we have any final thoughts on this episode really is the best way to ask to ask someone on a date (laughs) (laughs) um I mean I won't lie, if someone asked me to take down 
a terrorist organization with them, I would accept. I it is a good, <laughs> it is um rolling up for the revolution. Yeah. <laughs> At least you know you have like a shared value in common, shared goal. Yeah. You know. But it Very is important personal. in a relationship, right? It is pretty. <laughs> it values. is what we can tell. Like it is for the common good, but they also have their own personal motives. Like Lauren is a revenge quest, and revenge isn't always the best thing. Ooh, one thing, quick. I remembered. I forgot to mention this when you said this a few minutes ago. But um, the whole thing about regrets being a theme—it's not only a theme for him. I think it's an overall theme in the entire comic where we see each of the characters dealing with their own regrets that they live with. Mm. Obviously, um, not going to be able to get into that, but um, we can see some of that even in Lauren right now with what we've seen of her and her past. We, she's clearly being motivated by some sort of deep regret and wanting to make up for something that's happened and to revenge and all that stuff. So I really think that regret as a theme is something that carries for carries forward as the story progresses yeah i mean pundit the story is named after a flower that means regret <laughs> it means i mean you got me there you got me there but yeah yep well i think we have discussed this episode and i think we'll end here but I'm so excited to do future episodes and I'm excited for the episode coming out today in a couple of hours. <laughs> uh, you guys pause, pause, and I don't, and I feel... Oh, God. Uh, I'm going to scream. I already know. <laughs> I'm going to stop recording. Love you I'd like to thank my current patrons, Susie, Lady Libris, Mary, Alley Cat, Chelsea, Lily, Jenny, Haley, one and only Taco, Elizabeth, Maria, Molly, Veronica, Emily, Emily, Joe Rochelle, Dahlia, and Saucy Tuggles. Thank you so, so much. I really, really appreciate it.